I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sun shines ever bright. Good afternoon. It is Friday, March 16th, 2018, and today we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. And as the, um, the text of the, uh, the post here, the text of the live video there says, uh, Luke 5 is, uh, is a pretty cool chapter, actually, in Luke. Uh, it, it introduces us first to the disciples and Jesus calling his disciples. But it also introduces the concept of being fishers of men. Um, of course, that thought process is kind of strange. Doesn't really, um, you know, not something that we hear commonly today. Um, but it is nonetheless something that uh, applied to and was relevant to the disciples, especially those whom he were, whom Jesus was calling, who were fishermen. Uh, and so he said that he would make them fishers of men. So what is a fisher of men? Uh, what's Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus then goes into detail in Luke chapter 5 about the type of men, not really detailing exactly who they are, but by what he does for them and, and who he interacts with, he actually shows exactly what type of men were going to be quote-unquote caught. Um, these would be the type of men that Jesus would... Uh, that Jesus came to receive and, and ultimately to save. So let's go ahead and start Luke chapter 5 verse 1 and if you want to go ahead and share this to your timeline so we can get some more uh, people in here so that we can uh, get the word out to more and more people um, and of course after the video is done being live it'll be just a regular video on your timeline and people can watch it there as well. Verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was presenting or was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Genseret, and he saw two boats by the lake. Uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So, of course, we've seen the calling of Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John in the, in the previous gospel accounts. Um, now, Andrew is not specifically mentioned here, but um, there is an indication in which... Um, Andrew is a part of this. Of course, we have the other gospel accounts that, that teach us that as well. But um, Jesus says he's going to make them fishers of men. He's, from now on, you will be catching men. 
Now, something that's significant about that is the fact that Jesus just told them to go out and do something that they know there's no possible way could work. These guys are fishermen. They know exactly how to fish the waters that they fish on all the time, and Jesus tells them to do the opposite of what they've been doing. The regular way to fish is you go out very early in the morning or late at night when it's cool, when the fish are closer to the surface, and you drag the nets along the shallows. That's why they were cleaning their nets, because they were full of gunk and weeds and whatever. But Jesus says, go out into the deep water and let your nets down. And they said, well, that's not going to work. But okay, because you've asked us to, I'll go ahead and do it. And they bring in this astonishing catch. A catch that probably was greater than anything they'd ever caught before. Their nets were breaking. They filled up two boats almost to the point of sinking. And Jesus says, that's nothing. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And you're going to catch even more than that. So what about the kinds of men they're going to be catching? Let's look at verse 12. When he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more... But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So, yesterday I suggested you read Isaiah chapter 61. I hope you did. If you did, you'll notice that in verses 1 and 2 of that, which Jesus read in, uh, in the previous chapter, in verses 18 and 19 of Luke chapter 4, um, these people... These people that Jesus would be catching, if you will, um, these are going to be the ones that are uh, often on the side, pushed away, pushed to the margins of society because they're often the hardest to love. And so first we have this encounter with a leper. This leper represents the unclean and the, the those who are often pushed out of society and separated from society. Lepers were pushed out of town because of the, the fear that their infirmity could spread. And in some cases it would, but not all cases. Almost every skin condition in that day was considered leprosy. And so they were pushed out. Don't touch them. They're unclean. What does Jesus do? Touches him and makes him clean. Now let's look at verse 17. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in. Because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise and pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and the glorified God and they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Notice in verse twenty six that amazement seized them all, which would include the Pharisees and the scribes who challenged Jesus. Jesus makes the claim right here, right now, that he is the Son of Man, that he is the Messiah, that he has the authority to forgive sins, and he proves it because he has the authority to heal the paralytic. Now, the paralytic man was let down through the roof by his friends. You see, paralytics, similar to uh, similar to lepers, they, they were not really the the heart of society, right? They were separated from society. They were limited in their abilities. Uh, and oftentimes, because of that, and we see this with the friends, they're often a physical and, and oftentimes also a financial burden on those who would care for them. So again, someone who is separated from society, looked down upon by society, or a burden on society. What does Jesus do? He helps them. Now let's look at verse 27. Whoa. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So now we call, now Jesus is calling Levi, also known as Matthew. Matthew leaves everything to follow Jesus. Now, Matthew is a tax collector. And tax collectors were often despised because of their loyalty to the Romans and for their unethical practices. Now, what happens next, though, within Matthew's home, gives insight into Jesus' mission to reach sinners. You see, when the Pharisees see Jesus eating with Matthew and the other tax collectors, they ask why he's doing it. Why, is, why are you eating and drinking with sinners? And Jesus says what he says right there. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I stopped there for a reason. Because Matthew and Mark relay the exact same exchange within their gospel accounts. But Luke adds something specific here. He adds what Jesus has come to call sinners to do, and that is repent. See, not only did Jesus come to serve those who were on the fringes of society, looked down upon by society, hated by society. But he provides a new way of living for all sinners. Jesus' emphasis on loving those who are, who are the most in need, those who are, are, are sick, those who are sinners, and the way he... Um, uh, approaches the Pharisees' 
accusation here, that would become the framework of the parables, the series of parables that Jesus teaches in, in Luke chapters 14 and 15, which we'll get to uh, in two weeks. Now, Jesus, I'm sorry, the Pharisees were quite right. Jesus does receive sinners. And see, application-wise for us today, we're to do the same. And I understand that there is a fine line between ministering to those who are in sin and taking part in sinful behavior or even um, associating or, or being caught up in sinful behavior um, or associating with those who are sinners. But Jesus didn't have a problem with associating with sinners. It was never the, an issue of the association. Jesus never took part in sin. He was free from sin. But why was he associating with the sinners? Not to justify their sin, but to call them and bring them to repentance. And so when I hear people say, you know, things like, you know, a Christian should should never go with their friends to a bar, or a Christian should never, uh, you know, associate or, or be friends with someone who's a homosexual and such and such. I feel like that completely misses the boat and completely misses the mission of a Christian. It's to call sinners to repentance. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance, and we are to teach that good news both in word and in our actions and in our lives. And if we say, oh, I can't be friends with you because you drink alcohol or, or you're, you're a homosexual and, and so I can't associate with you because I'm a Christian, that is not a loving attitude and that is not a reflection of Jesus. Now, I know that that's probably not a very popular statement to make, but that's the truth. Now, verse 33. And they said to him, uh, this, they being the Pharisees, there's still, still an ongoing conversation there. They said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the, uh, from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new, for he says, the old is good. So, the uh, point of application that I want to make with this is something that uh, reminds me of my wedding day with my wife. Uh, verse 34, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? My wife and I at our reception, we had a dessert reception. Well, the bridesmaids were a little late getting to the venue before the wedding, and so their pictures had to be delayed until after the wedding. So the groom 
me and all my groomsmen, we took all our pictures uh, and everything before the ceremony. The, the bride and the bridesmaids were supposed to do that before us so that, you know, we didn't see each other, that sort of thing. Uh, but they missed that opportunity, and so they had to do it after the wedding. So there was a long period of time in which the wedding ended, and Sarah and I got into the reception area, which was in the same building, uh, in, in the fellowship hall of the church that we were married in. Um, and and so people were kind of hungry. I, I remember going to a wedding when I was a teenager, um, and uh, as the bride and the groom were coming out after being married, um, one of the bride's relatives, they had bubbles, they blew bubbles as they were coming out. Well, one of the bride's relatives decided, oh, I'm going to take the cap off the bubbles and I'm going to throw them on the bride. Well, of course, soap, bride, makeup, ruined, ruined everything. So she had to get her makeup redone and then they had to do pictures. We were at the reception area, the reception, which was separate from the church, for probably over an hour or so, starving, just waiting to eat because the bride and groom weren't there yet. And so what Jesus is saying here, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with, with them? No, because when the bride and the groom, and the, when they get there, everybody eats. right? You make them fast before the bridegroom gets there. Uh, but in Jesus' teaching here, it's when the bridegroom is taken away. And then they will fast in those days, in, in, a, in a sense of mourning, if you will, uh, or a sense of connection, that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, Jesus says, you know, the fasting and everything that you're doing my disciples have no need to do that because I am here. And if I ask them to fast, they'll fast. He doesn't say that, but that's you know that's the, the kind of concept you get. I'm here. There's no need for them to fast right now. So there you have it. Luke chapter 5. Chock full of uh, some great teachings and, and really some better insight into our role as Christians, uh, as disciples of Christ, just as he called his disciples to be fishers of men. Uh, tomorrow we will look at Luke chapter 6, uh, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the lesson that we'll be looking at on Sunday, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. So I hope you can join us tomorrow as we go through that. If you'd like to catch up on previous uh, lessons that we've done from Luke and Mark and Matthew thus far, you can do that on our website right here, loveland.church, uh, and you can navigate to the media section there, and you can look at previous sermons or the daily Bible study series uh, and, and also subscribe to the podcast versions as well. Hope you have a great rest of your day. I know it's Friday. The weekend is coming, so I hope you have a great weekend as well. And I hope that you can join us tomorrow uh, for Luke chapter 6 as we close out the week uh, and our reading for this week. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, God bless. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe and crown. The weather there is always fair, there is sunshine day and night. No cold and no rain will fall there, for the sunshine's ever bright. I'll need no...